Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name's Aaron Kemp and as always I'm joined by Will Mierden who's got a really weird look on his face. How are you going tonight, Will? You're just scratching me head, mate. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. It's <laughs> been a literal, a... a literal scratch of the head or yeah, a yeah, that metaphorical was what scratch no, of the it head? Was, it was quite literally just here scratching me. I, I might have head lice. Yeah, I mean, you've got like little children now, and I feel like that's a, a staple part of um, raising children is when head lice get around, and you've got the old plastic bags on the head, and like putting what I can only assume is like rocket fuel and other chemicals that just boil your brain. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'll just bleach my hair. You're gonna pull that off? Don't don't do that again. <laughs> don't do that. Don't Remember do when that. I did that back in the school days. It's fucking. Rocking yeah, it. I mean, like that was a whole thing, wasn't it? <laughs> like bleaching hair, and yeah, uh, then you, you sort of look like Teabag from uh, just taking it back to school days as well. Teabag from Prison Break when he like breaks out of prison, chops his own hand off, and then like peroxides his hair to try and look different. You look like Teabag. That's that's a good look. That was the look I was going it's, for. No, Even if it was, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good look. It's not a good look. The look of a child molester. That that's where you're at. <laughs> It's where I was at. I've, I've grown out of that now, I like to think. <laughs> okay, unbleached hair. Okay. <laughs> wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's move on. Uh, we are part of the Vault Studio podcast here at College Football Down Under, so please make sure you do join us there. And all the guys, we have finally, JA, thanks very much, mate. Welcome to the party. We finally got that interview up with Spencer Casimir from Balls Out PhD. A really, really interesting chat about... Um, the game, where it's going, how we got to where we are, and the connections with uh, the the Australian rules codes, I suppose, of football as well. Um, so, a really interesting, an interesting chat, and you have definitely listened to all of that by now, Will. Yeah, some of your better work, mate. Well done. Uh, it's very much. You haven't, you haven't listened to it. You no, have not listened to it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a busy that, guy. That, that, I'm no trying to pump you up some, here. Some of your best work. That means you definitely haven't listened to it. Yeah, you got me. You've caught me in a bold-faced lie here. I haven't listened to a minute of it. I want to. I'm really keen to hear how it goes. I'm just, just busy, you know. got a lot going on. Yeah, okay, we'll get to the fox hunt in just a second. But Burnley Brewing, uh, they are sponsors of the show. Now, I had a few too many Burnleys last episode, so I'm just going to dial it back for the moment. And, you uh, did, yeah. you did. You were getting after it, I like that. <laughs> I was, to the point where I couldn't even say words correctly anymore. Um, but yeah, they're all the major things. Oh, and CFB down under Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you do hit us up there as well. Okay, let's come back to the Fox situation. I'm thinking that we get like 50 horses, people in red coats, and then a whole bunch of hounds, mm. and we kind of yeah, like go old. Yeah, go old school on this. Yeah, I, I like where you're coming from. Uh, I, I so an update for everyone out there because I know you're all curious. I, I've taken a different angle, um, and as you're aware, in my backyard, I'd I'd settled down the back area where they, their den exists. I'd, I'd created that fire pit like area down there. Yeah. Um, so you at that point you were just like warming the home of. Well, the yeah, essentially, so I'd, I'd kind of and and now what I've done is uh, gone out and bought a separate fire pit unit and installed that kind of up close to the house uh thereby signaling yeah my intention <laughs> that they can have that area I'm, I'm kind of just throwing in the white flag down there they can have that and then i'm just going to have mine up closer to the house so 
I hope they I hope they enjoy it. I hope they're comfortable. Uh, that was my plan until over the weekend uh, there, there was another update. I've been completely uh, emasculated, which is not difficult. I'm not the most manly of blokes, so it's not hard for this to occur. But uh, our, our neighbours uh, in here are from Northern Territory, so much much manlier than I am. Always mm. out with the whippersnippers. Foxes or... are like little baby kittens to what they are dealing with up in the territory. Exactly right, and and so he he's always working, uh, manly bloke, and he. Uh, Rides they have chickens. And shit, they have, no they have chickens. They have chickens, oh, and he's God. seen these foxes, and so he's kind the of inquired through through my other half to say, "Hey, I want to sort this out. Like, w- do you mind if I come have a look?" That, I, but I want to sort this out means I'm going to sort this out because clearly you are inadequate, and that's I'm exactly going to that's get exactly what he's saying. And like some some blokes would get really offended, and t- I'm like fucking all for it, mate. You have at it because. Like this ain't my forte. I know. I know this. I've conceded. I'm willing to live with them like a bad roommate for now. But if you think you can sort this out, uh, but he came down there and he had a look, and it, it ain't. It ain't this. Like I think he thought it was just gonna be like one little hole where he could just like crawl in there and pull them out and choke them in front of me. Not the case. <laughs> there are like forty different holes, and it's really quite difficult. So he spent a couple of hours in my backyard, like plugging them all up with rocks and stuff, and I just went down to the playground with my daughter. It was a good day. <laughs> that's good okay uh yeah you didn't hurt, get a burn on the slippery dip or anything because you don't want that uh no no i tipped back a little bit far on the swing but i managed to balance myself so all good okay that's good all right let's get to college football action this is the week 12 recap show uh a whole bunch of action over the weekend certainly we got a bit of a clearer picture of where things are heading from a postseason perspective, and we'll touch on all that as well. We've got the 360 recap. We're going to go on the punt as well. I know, Will, you had another fucking howler, and you just need to get on me, mate. Well, ooh, maybe not on me. I don't need that. Um, but, uh, you know, you've just got to get around my betting expertise now. I'm going to call it expertise now because I'm going all right. I'm I want to be on you. Right. <laughs> I don't need that. All right, let's get to some news that is less homoerotic than where we're at now. This is like the volleyball scene in Top Gun. All right, Matt Corral is going pro. Uh, I don't know if that means much. Are we surprised here? I don't think anyone's surprised by it. It's fantastic. He'll be, he'll be one of the first quarterbacks selected, I would have thought. But still, I, I fail to see him as like a surefire top 10 pick. I still think that there's enough question marks there. But good for him. He's going to get drafted somewhere. He's, he's put enough on tape this year. Someone will take a shot at him, uh, but it just he doesn't feel like the right sort of prospect for mine uh, if I'm uh, an NFL team in need. Which which means he'll go in the first round, probably. Uh, Dan Mullen out at Florida. I don't think this is a bad move. I've mentioned in the past that I think Mullen's a good coach. There were some questions around his ability to recruit, and the defense has certainly taken a step back uh, under his tenure over the last few years. Um, and it appears that maybe he's a good offensive coordinator, but as a head man, not getting the job done. And I think this is a positive move for Florida. They've got to go and get the right guys, don't get me wrong. Um, but the ADs come out and said they want consistent success. And I understand that. That's the expectation at Florida. That's the expectation in the SEC East. And he just wasn't delivering that. Um, and he'll get another job for sure. But I understand the move. 
I think it's a horrible move. I think Dan Mullen has performed at par or above par every year he's been at that program. He's done a good job there without being fantastic, but he's done a good job. This year was always going to be tough, and it, this is the the one disappointing year he's had in his entire tenure. Uh, and as a result, he gets the flick in a year where you're going to be competing with the likes of LSU and USC and Miami and a few other, like Washington... Uh, TCU, a few big programs looking for head coaches. They're not readily available, so I don't like this move. I think Mullen's been a bit hard done by here because they're always going to struggle. Are we... Oh, I've got a theory here. A team's getting pulling the trigger pretty quickly, maybe because of the COVID year last year and all, everyone getting a pass, for one. But secondly, maybe... Uh, teams are sensing that the powers of the past are perhaps not quite there this year and um, I'll get to that in a second because clearly Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia are still traveling okay but there's it feels like there's a bit of a, a gap maybe to that next tier in the SEC or maybe a bit of a gap in the in the ACC or whatever and maybe teams are getting a fraction aggressive in this space because of that the Pac-12 certainly got a void and is it maybe they're just like oh we feel like actually there's an opportunity here so we're going to make the move. I guess. I mean, this just feels a little bit crazier than most. And it, I dare say it's got to play into that COVID piece and no one really moving around all that much for that year because everyone got a bit of a pass. So it, it seems to be stacking up a little bit more this year. But I think there's a lot of knee-jerk reactions to some of this stuff. I think the, the social media, media scrutiny, the access to information really inflates everything too. And it's, it's not hard for a storyline to really take fire. And it just feels like the whole warming of the seat is like easier and louder and and hotter than ever before uh just in in today's environment last thing before we finish the news mel tucker gets an extension or does he yeah so there's rumored rumored reports out that a couple of large benefactors the michigan state program have uh, arranged a a 10-year 95 million dollar contract extension to make him the uh highest paid african-american coach in all sports like by by a margin as well which you know good for him uh he'd done a good job i think he would jerky i mean jerky i just Uh, hope him and his agent managed to get that done before the game on the weekend because surely that's got to knock like 30 mil off of the asking price i do not know I mean, I've seen this in the past and we see it all the time is we you get one good year, one good result and all of a sudden you think you're kicking goals. I don't know, maybe he is fantastic, but why not let him play out two, maybe three years and then get him that extension? What are you concerned about that he's going to jump ship? I mean, he Absolutely. might. That is, yeah, a, that is a fair call. That's a but, real concern. So if you make him the, I think it's like the second highest paid coach in all of college football behind Saban with that contract. Uh, that that's signaling intent. It's going to be tough to walk away from that. Uh, but also, it is like two billionaire benefactors just kind of paying for this, so it ain't coming out of the school coffers. They'll 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 be alright. Yeah, ouch. But the buyout will still probably be pretty extensive. I would have thought. Uh, one quick one that I've just come up with. We didn't have Aaron's inventions this week, but how about Portal app? Go I haven't got a better name for it. But it's like Tinder for coaches and players. So like if you're like, so you could either do it that way or 
maybe coaches can only say, oh, they were just put in the market for everyone. But like I was thinking like coaches say, hey, I'm in the market for a tight end. I'm in the market for a six-foot cornerback or whatever. And then all the six-foot cornerbacks get a message and say like, hey, are you, do you want to go to Illinois? <laughs> no? Thoughts on that? Uh, look, I had a friend uh, who, who will go unnamed for this, but he, uh, he actually started up a, a business, tried to stand up a business, a website, this was some time back, that was facilitating uh, coaches and players like connections for like next level down football. So like lower, not SANFL, but like all the country leagues and stuff. So that all, yeah. you can sign up to that and kind of create the marketplace there. Uh, which I thought was interesting at the time. Failed miserably. Um, yeah. But uh, similar sort of concept to what you're talking about here. I I don't know. I, I... Anyway, <laughs> we can move on. We don't we don't need to deal with that. All right, let's get to our 360 recap because uh, we did have a big game with a big weekend with lots of quality games. You're gonna have to do a lot of talking here, Will, because I, you know, I'm leaning on you this week. Although I watched as much football as I've yeah. probably watched in one weekend. So, Alabama get over Arkansas at home, though. Go, Will. Thoughts on that SEC battle? Yeah, Arkansas kept it tight throughout this one, which was good to see. I think everyone expected Alabama to kind of romp at home, but Arkansas stayed true to form on the year that they are progressing well and looked good in this matchup. Uh, Bryce Young and that receiving core had a day out. He went for like 500 plus yards, five touchdowns, was really good. Yeah, second in the SEC all time in passing yards in a game, that one, and broke the Alabama school record as well. Ohio State, yeah, the, in fact, the only one, you look at me surprised there, but the only one that gets him is your boy KJ Costello at Mississippi State in week one last year against LSU. Ohio State getting ready for a postseason run as they just tune up against Michigan State. Wowee, that was over at half time, well and truly. CJ Stroud breaking like uh, touchdown pass record in a half of football. And then they benched him. Like that is nuts. That offense is starting to come together. And like they weren't playing Chattanooga State here. This was a top five ranked Mississippi State team. Like wowee, that's an impressive Mississippi effort. State, they did well uh, against Mississippi State. I mean, Michigan was, State. I mean, that was <laughs> feels stiff for Mississippi State, who I felt like had the week off. Anyway, uh, Oregon get their doors blown off as well um, against the all-grey unis of Utah. And unfortunately, no one's surprised by this. Like, everyone expected it to go this way, and it did, and it's kind of disappointing. No one expected 38-3. I think, well, everyone expected Utah to win. And Oregon, and I guess it's less Utah to win, Oregon to lose that match. And it's disappointing for the Pac-12 to see it go out that way. But uh, surely on the back of that, I think they need to fall and Ohio State need to also fall and keep behind them. Less chaos in the top 25 this week. We'll sort of, number three goes down, seven, 10, and 21. But three ranked matchups. So that means that there's always going to be three ranked teams that lose. And the only other one that was beaten by an unranked team was an underdog on the road anyway so like it wasn't a huge surprise there so maybe things have settled down a fraction finally a bit of stability for all the speculation and posturing we are back kind of where we started alabama and georgia in the sec championship game ohio state are in the big 10 um and utah are in the pac 12 um so you know and probably going to be oregon as well 
So, and Oklahoma yeah. State are in the Big 12. That's not the case. At all. Uh, are Oklahoma in now? No. So uh, Oklahoma State are locked in and ah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma can win their way in or it'll be Baylor otherwise. Oh, there you go. Big year for Dave Aranda. All right, let's make this quick tonight because my child is melting, um, so I need to move briskly. Let's get to recaps. Okay, uh, I need to get my stuff bloody organized here, but any big picture takeaways from this week? I mean, I enjoyed all the trick plays. Felt like trick plays were out and about um, this weekend, which I really enjoyed. There were a few good trick plays, just a few good plays in general. Some really athletic picks, some really good hurdles going on around the place. Yes. Uh, I love to see that. Um, some like Don't care about that anymore. Stretches the play and flips it back to the end zone. Jackson Smith in Jigba. Touchdown number six for Stroud. As I cut Will off there. Yeah, that was Ohio State and Michigan State. The Buckeyes, 56, Michigan State, 7. Yeah, I mean, that was the play that capped a 49 to nothing halftime lead. Ohio State had 500 yards of offense. CJ Stroud was 29 for 31 and 6 touchdowns. And that was at halftime. Complete domination by Ohio State. Um, and then they put the cue in the rack for the second half. Don't know if there's any great takeaways apart from the fact that CJ Stroud is and has come along. That wide receiver group was always going to have a big day against a terrible pass defense in Michigan State. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, look, the 130th ranked pass defense in the country, there are 130 teams. Like, they're the fucking worst. And yeah, yep. they're still a really good team. So uh, I'm, I'm going to help you speed this along this week. I'm going to give out my helmet stickers as we go. So I'm, I'm flinging my first one here. It's CJ Shroud for that effort. 32 of 35 for the 430 yards and six touchdowns. Whenever a bloke is throwing more touchdowns than incompletions, it's always like the SEC preseason slate, we'll call it, where they're playing like no nobody teams and they're doing that. It shouldn't be a top 10 matchups at this point of the year, but that is nuts. He really puts himself at the forefront of the Heisman race. It's, it's really two dudes now, right? Stroud and Young at Alabama, battling it out. I don't see where else it can come from. Fantastic effort. Ohio State getting better and better and look to be priming themselves for what is the game that they dominate every year, the game. A lot of people are trying to make some noise for like some defensive players this year because of the rough start from a quarterback perspective and the fact that it is just a quarterback award, which, hey, it is what it is. But uh, Will Anderson, a lot of people are trying to push for really? him. To, it was Jordan uh, Davis, and, and he scored a touchdown on the weekend. Yeah, he did, and Jordan Davis was the other one. So um, they're the two guys that could also gain some traction, and I hope they do. Kenneth Walker obviously falls out of that picture now after, through no fault of his own, Michigan State get trashed on the road. Speaking of getting trashed on the road, let's head to Salt Lake City and Utah and Oregon. It was highly effective. I guess any anyone that gets a punt return for a touchdown is highly effective. Um, but Britton Covey returns that Tom Snead punt. 78 yards with no time remaining in the first half to give Utah a 28 to nothing lead going into the main break. Before this, 
kind of back-to-back kind of three possessions, I suppose. This game wasn't that one-sided. Utah led 14 to nothing, and Oregon had two missed field goals. I know that it wasn't, but it could have been 14-6, and this game looks very different. But then Utah put together an explosive drive with PJ Pledger. Uh, Bryant Keithy makes a big play as the tight end down the seam on a 49-yard catch uh, and run. And then you had um, Thomas going in and scoring one of his three touchdowns for the day. A fantastic game at the running back position. But... Once that went in, they go up twenty nine. Uh, sorry, twenty one nothing. That gave Utah complete and utter confidence and control of this game. And then, with only twenty seven seconds on the clock, after that rushing touchdown, they get the ball back on a punt return, and that punt return just destroyed the will of the Ducks completely. Um, and that one ended there. How did we end up in this place on a night where Oregon were playing for all the marbles? But they get boat raced completely out of Salt Lake City. Yeah, they certainly did. Uh, and like it was really good coaching on that one too because Whittingham called the timeout to ensure that they did punt it. Like There was no time left. That was the only play that could be run. And it, like that's fantastic when you know you've got a playmaker like that, when you, when you kind of empower your team to say, look, we're giving you a shot here, it, it elevates them. There's expectations to go, we're going to try and make something happen here, and then good things happen. So that was fantastic. Whittingham's coming into his own there. Uh, Utah looking stronger and stronger. Obviously, in Salt Lake was always going to be the case. For mine in this one, it was uh, Tavian Thomas. Yeah, uh, I mentioned him in the get-off as well because we, I said, what, 10 touchdowns in three weeks. He's gone for over 400 yards, and he delivered again. He certainly did. So he gets the helmet stickers in this one. Main reason being that he was actually uh, playing for the University of Cincinnati. So now that he's moved on and is at Utah, he's gone, you know what, boys, I'm going to help you out. I want you guys in in the playoff. So I'm going to I'm going to screw over Oregon here. I'm going to I'm going to bounce their chances and give you uh, much more of a chance. So he's looked after his team. He's punched in three fantastic effort. And Utah, like, it's a bit of a rematch here. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like on a neutral field uh, in the Pac-12. But uh, Utah, well too strong in this one. Yeah, disappointing result again for Oregon. It seems like at times they just, you know, they won the Pac-12 last year but got in on a technicality uh, and then beat USC in in the championship game. And, like... That was a bit of a weird one, but it, you know they lost the civil war the last two years actually I think, and then now, you know they they're going and playing in that game against Oregon State next week, and it's not a given by any means. And Oregon now the best they can hope for I guess is like a I don't know who the play what the playoff game is, but maybe like a Rose Bowl or something some equivalent of that um, for the Ducks. All right, let's get to the SEC: Alabama and Arkansas. Up here, three man rush, young. Loads it, rips it long. Touchdown. Jamison Williams. Yeah, that that touchdown really iced it. Gave uh, Alabama a 10-point lead um, in this one, or 14-point lead. Uh, I wanted an entertaining game, and we got it. This, this scoreline to me, though, looks far closer than it really was. 
both teams started off slow on offense. Bryce Young kind of exploded in the second quarter for three touchdowns. And then I thought, oh, Alabama are just going to roll here. But they didn't. They got held up. Arkansas kind of holding on for dear life a little bit. Um, and, and that continued into the third quarter. Bryce Young, like just little things were happening for Arkansas. I was like, oh, if they pull this out, they've had everything go their way. Classic example of that was Bryce Young, three, three um, linemen rushing only. Uh, he stands there forever. No one comes open on third on third down. Rolls right, stands there forever, and then takes a terrible sack like 13 seconds after the snap of the ball, which then led to a missed field goal. And I was like, oh, Alabama are just kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit here. Then uh, the tight end, Latu, makes a big play and then fumbles it, like three yards out of the end zone, gets stripped. And they, Arkansas needed all the luck in the world to make this game as close as it was to me. So, it, yes, it was entertaining, but I never was threatened. Or I, as an Alabama supporter, if you were that, and that's not me, but I never really would have felt particularly threatened that Arkansas were going to run over the top of you here. Uh, the, the pigs were kept in check for the most part. They used trailing Burks a lot, hit the occasional deep shot. And the enjoyable part, we mentioned it at the top, but the fake field goal pop pass that went for a touchdown was really, really good. Um, but by the end of the game, Bryce Young was just emptying the backfield, standing there five wide. Um, and it allowed this quarterback to just kind of stand back there. They were only rushing three Arkansas and they would just pick a his own defense and he lit up the the stat sheet and set a whole bunch of records in the process um so yeah close-ish close-ish but i think again that scoreline was not reflective of perhaps how dominant alabama were yeah there's a bit to unpack there with everything that you said very much bryce young how i play my ncaa just get five wide let everyone run around and just kind of Eventually you get into some man stuff and then I just start throwing picks everywhere. I don't, I don't need <laughs> It'll that. get you, but he didn't have that problem. He was fantastic. Uh, in this one, the the helmet stickers are actually going to the defensive backfields of both Arkansas and Alabama for deciding to take a joint vacation on this one. They, mm-hmm. They've all obviously got together before the game and said, fuck it, let's, let's head down the coast. We're just going to let these guys light it up because Bryce Young went large, but so did uh, Jefferson for Arkansas. Traylon Burks is a dude. Like He, he is mm-hmm. a bad man. He looked really good, and both offenses just had their way in this one. Um, Mechie's good, obviously, on that Alabama side, but they were dominant on, on the offensive side in this game. You do mention that it was probably looks close. I feel like they were in touch all day. Yes, perhaps Arkansas never really looked like they were going to win, but there was always a chance that they could with how they were kind of sticking around. And it was interesting enough to keep you dialed in. But Alabama do what they need to do. They continue to roll. 10-1 uh, and one now and uh, rolling towards this this Auburn matchup, Sandsbow Knicks, that they should feel pretty comfortable about. Some weird shit happens there, we know, but they should be comfortable about that. And then the massive, massive Georgia one on deck after that. Trey Burks goes number one next year. In the draft, as sorry, number one wide receiver, not overall. He's certainly in the conversation. Uh, I think your boy Drake London, depending on how that injury shapes up, has uh, a mm-hmm. case for what he's shown. Uh, and then there's a few yeah, other Chris actual, Olave. yeah, wide wide receivers that are looking quite strong. Strong wide receiver group. Okay, let's move on to group of five, and we're going to go UAB UTSA. Harris 
Drops the snap, throws it to the end zone. It's caught! Touchdown! <laughs> Oscar Cardenas! And the Alamo Dome is going crazy! Crazy! I don't know who that guy is, but he sounds like Texas's version of like Ed Orgeron. So, um, yeah, he was probably about to have a heart attack. Anyway, but what a finish in this one. We do need to set this up a little bit. So UTSA go behind by far, by far, by four, when Dwayne McBride scores on a... No, no, fucking have. I've been drinking again. When it goes in on a 16-yard run with five minutes to go, which is still plenty of time, but you're probably getting one possession, maybe two. UTSA go for it on fourth, uh, and they don't. They get the completion, but fall short. And then you're thinking, oh, they, they need to get this next set of downs or next kind of series right, call their timeouts at the right time. Third and four for UAB in their own territory, but they're kind of coming up on midfield. If they get the first down there, it is game over. Tackle made, falls just short. So they go to fourth and inches. Do you go for the game there or do you punt the ball away? They elect to punt the ball deep into UTSA territory. They give the Roadrunners one minute to march the field. And then Oscar Cardenas... Catches a tipped ball on third and goal from the one yard line. I mean, just With one a crazy, crazy finish in this one. Yeah, that it was an incredible. That last drive was insane. Like you don't punt there; you just go for it. But whatever's that, that's me. Um, you would think your team might be able to defend ninety yards or eighty yards or whatever it is, Chicago. I'm looking at you, uh, but th- <laughs> there were a few good plays uh, for that fantastic lefty quarterback they got there, uh, especially down the sideline. Uh, they made a big chunk play um, where receiver made a really good contested catch, got up there, brought it in, set them all up for this one here, uh, and. Then from that that last play was kind of almost comical. Like the ball <laughs> hit the deck, they fumbled the snap. He picks it up, he throws it over the top. It got tipped. Like it's it's fantastic. It wasn't a great pass. Like he just no, just like he it kind of there, floated mate. it over there, and he got his hand on it. And that like yeah. that's concentration for the big fella there. Big tight end managed to pull it. In. It kind of looked like a lineman. Like he was a big guy. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but he, fantastic hands sealed it for him, and the road runners stay undefeated, which is great to see. They do. They win this one 34-31. Now, I actually watched all of this game. I said I was going to, and I did. Uh, the game itself was quite entertaining, but UTSA, for the most part, felt like they were playing from behind the entire time. Even when they had the lead in the fourth quarter, it felt like they were chasing tail a fair bit. Um, UAB changing their tempos up and down a little bit, running the ball effectively, and probably didn't lean on that stretch zone as much as I thought they were going to or, or what I have seen them use in the past. A lot of different formations, bringing in some big sets and, and things like that to get what they wanted in terms of matchups. And UTSA were having trouble kind of controlling the line of scrimmage, which is, again, what we suspected might happen. Uh, and defensively, they made Frank Harris more uncomfortable than I thought they were going to. The DN position had their way with that UTSA O-line. Um, I thought that uh, UAB was probably the better team. But the Roadrunners win and get it done and move on. And that's all you can possibly do. That is what good teams do. When you are not necessarily having your best day, you find a way to win. 
All right, let's get to the Big 12. Speaking of teams finding a way, Oklahoma 28, Iowa State 21, a scoop and score on third and 21 for Oklahoma uh, on a pretty bad Brock Purdy play, really. Gave Oklahoma a seven-point lead at the half, and that ended up being the difference in this one. On the final drive, Brock Purdy throws a fourth-down interception to end the game in Oklahoma territory. Iowa State continue to be disappointing, Will, but you must be breathing a little bit easier after that game. Uh, I guess. Like, that was kind of the result that I was looking for, obviously, as an Oklahoma State fan to, to help them get in. But in the, the end of the day, it's kind of, you want to win this next one anyways, regardless. So it, it doesn't really matter. But I feel like Oklahoma controlled this game. Like, you say it was up seven at the half and they only won by seven. But they did hold a two-score lead for the majority of this one. Um, and in that, they're fairly comfortable. Like... Iowa State have just been kind of overhyped, I guess, this year, or like mm. they've underdelivered. I mean, they had all the pieces. They had the pieces. It just hasn't paid off. Exactly them. right. And like interesting stat: Ohio State in their 124-year program history have never reached double-digit wins. Iowa State have not. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, are they likely to? Well, Iowa are nine and two this year, and people think that they're having disappointing. Year. Like Iowa State aren't doing it this year. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Un- unlucky clones, but didn't happen for you. All right, West Virginia thirty-one, Texas twenty-three. Things just completely unraveling for Texas here. Five losses in a row. Casey Thompson gets benched. Hudson Card comes into the game, but then he gets injured on their second to last drive. Casey Thompson has to come back into the game. Or not there, yeah, second last. Case Thompson has to come back into the game. He's in there long enough to throw an interception. Then he gets injured. Then Hudson Carter has to come back in. He's limping around and they can't score again. Uh, after West Virginia go for it on fourth to end the game and get held up short in the run game, didn't matter in the end because Texas weren't going to move the ball 70 yards to win this one. Letty Brown ran the ball really well. Um, but to me, it was the Mountaineers O-line that was really good. Uh, just shifting Texas, resetting the line of scrimmage so, so often. Um, you know, Letty Brown was going two to three yards without a hand on him, which is exactly what you want as a running back. And that West Virginia defense was pretty solid as well. But oh, alarm bells in Texas. The natives will be restless. It, it is exactly what you want if you're a West Virginia fan. It's exactly what you should not see as a, a Texas fan. Like you, you should have better athletes than most teams that you come up against. And that, like, to be shifted around like that, there's a, either a lack of coaching and development to get these guys to where they need to be or a lack of desire. And I'm not sure which one it is there, but the wheels have completely fallen off. Uh, Wheels still floating around 80 bucks a barrel, so I don't know. Is 20-odd million dollar buyout all that crazy? Oh, Imagine that. LSU, Florida, USC, Texas, Miami, all up for grabs. Insane. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, it's not, not great down at Austin at the moment. I think you just... Oh, even their basketball team's struggling a bit, so I wouldn't even flick that on. Just stick your head in the sand, maybe. Yeah, tough sledding for Horns fans this year. TCU 31, Kansas 28. Kansas up to their old tricks again in this one. Um, But in the second half, they allowed drives of touchdown, 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 punt, and then allow a four-minute drive for TCU to march the field and hit the game-winning field goal. So 
Kansas probably had their opportunities in this one. They're up big at the half. Are Kansas sneaky good or are TCU just that bad? TCU are that bad, but I think Kansas have found themselves a player in Jarrell Casey, the quarterback who's come in here, young kid, uh, and has kind of lit it up the last couple of weeks for him. So one to watch out for. Injected a bit of life, and it's good to see. Baylor 20, K-State 10. On the road with a backup quarterback. Not a problem for Dave Aranda and the Bears. Blake Sharpen. Shapen does the job as uh, Jerry Bro- Bohannon uh, doesn't make it through this one. No, he did not. So he pulled what looks like a hamstring uh, somewhere in the second quarter of this one. And that's a really impressive effort to lose your starting quarterback on the road against a very good K-State team, uh, underrated. Like, uh, I don't think they're rated at all. Not even underrated, just not rated. Uh, People don't know they exist. They're pretty darn good. And that's a tough (laughs) spot to play. So full credit to Baylor. And uh, like, they're humming at the moment. They are looking really good. Aranda has done a fantastic job. And that's why his name is really high highly sought after in some of these big high profile jobs not just his name but his face as well like the rest they want the rest of him i think also uh but will dave aranda be at baylor next year yes or no i don't think so i think he's gonna quickly like the longer you stick around i think the harder it is to get out right to get more attached to the place and the kids and the recruiting and everything that you bring in like he doesn't have that attachment he didn't recruit these kids he's just done a fantastic dollar signs you don't care you see dollar signs perhaps uh, Oklahoma State 23, Texas Tech Donuts. Wow-wee. Zero When was the last point. time you had a shutout? When was the last time you had a shutout? This is four weeks in a row now where the starting defense has not conceded a touchdown. That's nuts. They are playing that well at the moment. Uh, Texas Tech, what a rabble of a crowd that is there. There was just shit being thrown on the field all game. Like, I like it. Penalties, uh, pers- uh, unsportsmanlike conduct on the Texas Tech fans for throwing stuff on the field, 15 yards. Like, it's, it's nuts. Uh, and, like yeah, they, they just couldn't hang. Uh, I think they ended up with, like, 60 passing yards or something like that. Like, it was – they – had one completion to the half, like minus three yards or something like that. It was nuts how well this Oklahoma State defense was playing, continues to play, is playing. Jim Knowles surely got to be in the conversation for the Broyles Award for uh, best assistant coach with what he's produced there. Like this is not a squad full of five-star kids like some of the other programs you see. Like these are a lot of seniors, a lot of mature kids are there, but... Um, he's just it shows built how good the Big fantastic. Twelve offenses really are, I guess. I think that's or, really or how good the Big Twelve coaching is, and and the job that he's delivering there, because I think he's he's shown that throughout, uh, and they're doing a fantastic job. So, uh, I'm not sure if he becomes a candidate for head coaching. Like he's an I older guy. Heard but his name being thrown. No, around, but so. he's he's done a fantastic job. Uh, Pokes continue to roll, and obviously the big bedlam matchup on deck now. Mm. In the Big Ten, Wisconsin, 35. Nebraska, 28. The Corn Huskers do it again. Lose by just a score. Um, it was their inability to stop Braylon Allen in this one. He went absolutely bananas. I'm assuming he's going to get slapped with a sticker here. But 228 yards, three touchdowns. His last was a 53-yard dash down the right sideline. That was the difference in this one. Nebraska, as is their want, had a chance to tie the game in the final minute as they got the ball down to the Wisconsin 10, but turned it over on downs just for shits and giggles. I've said that sentence 
already this year. Wisconsin get it in scoring range, but enter interception, turnover on downs, fumble, something in that space. Statistically speaking, so, like just on sheer numbers alone, some of these results have to start going Nebraska's way. You cannot continue. To, like Things have got to cut, start coming back to the median here a little bit just in terms of a results perspective. Uh, go. I was going to say, I felt like there was a pass interference on that uh, fourth down play too. We were throwing towards the end zone. Bit unlucky. I thought they had a case there. And Scott Frost was not happy. If Wisconsin win next week against Minnesota, they'll be back in the Big Ten Championship game for something totally different in the Big Ten West. But again, please stick with Scott Frost. I think Nebraska, they've, you know, they've got to turn this thing around. I, it's it's getting better. It's getting better. They there were blowouts two years ago. There was blowouts last year. Like it's it's starting to tighten up. Before you can win, you need to lose close. Um, so yeah. so you are right. I do have a sticker to give out in this game, but it is not necessarily uh, where you expect it. It is going to this Nebraska unit. Uh, they have officially become the best three loss team of all time when you look at point differential. So. They, uh, their point differential, I think, is something like plus 75 or something like that as a three, um, sorry, three win team at this point in the season. The, the next closest is like plus 30. Like they are, they, the fact that they have lost all of their games by such a tight margin is just unheard of throughout the history. So well done, guys. I mean, you don't know how to win a game, but fuck, you're good at not winning games. <laughs> Close, at least. Iowa 33, Illinois 23. Uh, you would be not happy with this result, but Iowa were down 10 nothing in this game. You must have been cheering. You were like, yeah, I'm on Illinois to win this. Um, but I then they the managed points. to... I had the points. Oh, yeah, the I was... points. This, oh, is, this is the one that I did get. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they managed to... We're not going to be able to play it for like no. successful weeks anymore. So just any time you hit one, we're just going to drop that yeah. little... Yeah. Uh, so yeah, eventually kind of Iowa cruised away in the end. But at this... And mostly on the back of Tyler Goodson, they need results to go their way next week if they're to get into the Big Ten championship game. They do, which is crazy because what are they? Nine and two. And they just don't feel like a very good team. But I don't know. Well, this is a good team. Purdue 32, Northwestern 14. Slow start for the Boilermaker offense, but they ease away from Northwestern. Minnesota 35, Indiana 14. Minnesota scored two touchdowns in the final 46 seconds of the first half. That opened up a 21-7 lead. They never relinquished that one. And Tanner Morgan was actually able to find the end zone a couple of times by throwing the ball forwards and having someone catch it. Uh, he hasn't done that for like four straight weeks now, so that was good to see him get a passing touchdown. Uh, yeah, your Purdue Boilermakers get themselves a, uh, a sticker in oh, their efforts too. Me. The um, the accidental onside recovery. So <laughs> oh, yeah, that was good. Unreal <laughs> effort. The uh, kickers lined up to boot it out the back of the end zone. Plant leg has slipped out from under him. So he's ended up just shunting the ball forward 10 yards, bounced off one of their players. They recover. Bang. Possession back. Just how they drew it up. Love it. The kicker was devastated as well. He's like, oh, I fucked up really badly here. Because he's, and this he's a little a bit game. fat too. It was good. I like that. <laughs> God. All right. Maybe you can give him some fox meat. He might enjoy that. Uh, Penn State, 28. Rutgers, 0. Michigan, 59. 
destroy Maryland, who only managed to put up 18 points. I feel like there's some strange scores this week. 59-18. That doesn't come up very often. Um, but yeah, anyway, there you go. Uh, in the ACC, Clemson 48, Wake Forest 27. A few takeaways in this one, but do you have any thoughts on Clemson's ability to be able to really control this one, win at home, and give themselves a chance to make it back to the Atlantic? Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised watching them win at home because what's this, number 35, number 36 in a row, whatever it is, like, it's nuts. Shouldn't be shocked by that. But what is probably more surprising is that this was more the Clemson we expected to see from week one and the rest of the year like that they were good in this one they looked really good they kind of dominated play both sides of the ball much more from what we would expect from Darbo's unit uh and the fact that they're kind of in the running like are they red hot favorites for the ACC now or what does that no because because if Wake win next week um against Boston College on the road then they go in as a one-loss team because Clemson have dropped two. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that would make sense. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the odds for the ACC. You keep on going though. Uh, all right. So I guess the reason Clemson won this one is a little bit different to what we would expect in the past, and that is uh, we've seen them dominate the past game or certainly get like balance in that. Uh, but today it was just, or in this game it was just run heavy. And, and Wake couldn't move the ball themselves. And before they knew it, they were playing from behind. They also turned the ball over four times. That, doesn't, that never helps, especially on the road. But Payson Shipley, coming back to that running game, did such a good job for Clemson. Um, and, you know, that O-line started to settle in a little bit. Uh, it, it was impressive to see them get some offense going. Uh, DJ Uyunglele looked better, still a little bit... You know, he gets out of his reads too quickly and tries to leave the pocket or, or looks down at the rush too much. So he needs to sort that out a little bit. And, and not only that, Clemson were given a lot of short fields on those four turnovers. Um, and Wake's defense is just not very good. So, you know, if Clemson can get there, if they get to the championship game, they, they go in favorites. They just need Wake Forest to I don't, lose. I don't think they can. I can't get a market for them, so I've I've got uh, Pitts dollar fifty five, Wake two seventy five, and NC State thirteen dollars. Yeah, I think they need. There's a whole bunch of stuff that like NC State need. I did see it, but like there's all these results that people need to happen. Like the first one is Wake needs to win. Sorry, Wake needs to lose um, for anybody else to get in. That's the first thing uh, at BC next week. So I guess we'll we'll wait and see on that. Yeah, can't get a market. And there you go. Florida State 26, Boston College 23. BC mustered a comeback. They were down big, um, but could not get over the top of the Seminoles. And Florida State got a chance to get bowl eligible next week, which is a bit of a surprise because they're a mess earlier in the season. Notre Dame 55, shut out Georgia Tech 0. Pitt 48, Virginia 38. Brennan Armstrong played in this game. Both quarterbacks had their moments. Shootouty for sure. And I know you liked watching Brennan Armstrong sling it around. Yeah, I did. I've commented this to you, and I genuinely mm. meant it. Like he was, he he could throw throw a nice ball. He was putting on a rope. He was kind of picking them apart there, and he was moving the ball freely. I watched this game fairly well from start to finish. This was the one that I dialed into. I quite enjoyed it. Both sides. Kenny Pickett's good fun. Like ACC, but ACC is good good football. Man. I'm not doubting that. You know, I, <laughs> I like the ACC. 
Um, <laughs> but Kenny Pickett is good fun to watch. He's sneaky athletic. He likes getting yeah, after it. Yeah, not like, even sneaky. Like, I think, like, you've got to respect his legs. Like, he's... Yeah, but, like, I also like that he kind of doesn't mind getting after it a bit and gets himself in a bit of trouble, gets himself a bit banged up. But uh, I'm all for it. Like, fucking get after it, mate. Put the team on your back. He was good. Jordan Armstrong Addison. Good. Jordan Addison, surely. He gets mentioned, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> but... <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all you get, Jordan Addison, despite your 11 catches for 100 and something yards and a couple of touchdowns as well. But I'm just just, uh, into the that's part of the course, around, apparently, the unless you're Texas Tech, I guess. Well, yeah, it's because you come up against a real defense. <laughs> Louisville 62, Duke 22, Malik Cunningham. Holy heck in this one. 303 passing yards, 224 rushing yards, seven total touchdowns. <laughs> that Jeez. is a big, big day. Can you, can you start my fantasy team? Wow, we. Oh, my fantasy team's a fucking debacle. It's good. Like, I like it. I hate, I hate the predicted good. scores. I hate the predicted scores they give you. Mine are always like 160 points, and then I finish on 105. Good. Um, yeah, so fuck you, Jacksonville. Uh, but... Tennessee's defense. What the hell happened there? Anyway, uh, I got negative from Buffalo. I got negative points from Buffalo today. <laughs> negative. Mate, I had to go against Buffalo. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan yeah, Taylor put up fifty-one points. That's rough. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, back to this game. Malik Cunningham has this game once a year where he just trashes people, but just doesn't happen enough. And it's really, really it must be frustrating as a Louisville fan. Um, not only coming from Lamar and then into another really athletic quarterback that is a true dual threat guy, to watch him do this a couple of times a year and then not be able to do it in big games is just a little bit tedious, I think. What are the odds he ends up on uh, Baltimore's roster next year? Just kind of what like... position? It's it's not a it, like yeah, absolutely running... as the backup. He's like the wish version of Lamar. <laughs> wish version, good. Uh, NC State 41, Syracuse 7, and Miami 38, Virginia Tech 26. More wins for Manny. What a man. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> uh, tell you who's not done. Tyler Van Dyke. He is going to get probably some Heisman noise next year. I'm not even... Mate. Now I'm, I've heard I'm, it all. Now uh, I've mate, heard it all. I'm telling you. you. Got, you have, where, those, where have you been sneaking those Burnleys in whilst we've been going here, mate? <laughs> So, uh, in ACC history, there's only been three players to um, throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in consecutive games. Three consecutive games. James Winston was one. Russell Wilson was another. Uh, the last one escapes me. May have been Philip Rivers. I don't know. can't remember the last one. But it was someone good. Oh, Sam Howe. I apologize, Sam Howe. Um, the only other person to do that is Tyler Van Dyke as a redshirt freshman this year. So he is putting up numbers. He's got a big arm. There's a lot of noise starting to develop around him nationally. I know you're sheltered. You live in the Big 12. Um, yeah, I guess as being, I, that's as what being, I'm just as being I'm part of those, say. As being part of the flyover states, you often just ignore people around you. You're like the Perth of... Uh, the Perth of America, I guess, where no one really cares. You guys are happy out there doing your thing. Um, I, think we, I think we get compared that's, to that's South weird. Australia because we're boring. But I, I think uh, what I was going to say is that, uh, like, it kind of speaks to the quality of the ACC that that's the fact that there's only been three dudes who've done that. 
I think we probably got that in the Big 12 this year. No, you haven't. Your offenses suck. Oklahoma got beaten by Kansas. You just had Texas Tech, the home of the air raid, put up nothing, and you guys scored 23. Awesome. Defensive juggernauts, us. (laughs) So here we go, changing your tune. (laughs) Pack 12 time. UCLA 62, USC 33. This game started off a bit of a mess. Three of the first four possessions ended in picks. DTR's first two passes were picks, which isn't good. Um, But he recovered from that. Scored on a QB run, which was the fucking highlight of the day for me. Uh, When I watched this live, I was like, you can't do that. But that is awesome. Signed a fan's hat as they passed a hat and a texter over... Um, he signed it and then he got an unsportsmanlike penalty which I didn't really agree with I thought like yeah I was just like the hat was thrown in his face it was almost like he didn't really think about it he just grabbed it and signed it and I was like that was fucking wicked Jackson Dart um, where's sweet eye paint for USC just the one eye coverage which I really liked Um, but he was having a tough time UCLA defense was was holding down this Trojans team for a long, long time. And, and DTR just hit the deep play over and over and over again. And then you had Zach Charbonnet just late coming into the game to just end this thing completely for USC. Um, the sort of offensive performance that has been inconsistent in the Chip Kelly era. It's been, so, again, another one that's frustrating for UCLA fans because we see stuff like this, but then you go and get uh, like shut out by whoever washington state or somebody and it's just like man or cow gets you and it's like oh just put it all together so i don't know if that's a sign of chip kelly and his coaching whether it's a sign of his play design or whether that's a sign of dorian thompson robinson who who does show flashes and is a bit streaky as well um but yeah i mean they're good is really good uh we just don't see it enough yeah 60 odd points is uh Crazy, and USC are just absolute shambles at the moment. So we both said that this game could kind of go any direction, and it just kind of went up. Like they just kept scoring, kept blowing up yeah. on them. Uh, long, long time between drinks for them at the Coliseum. There doesn't happen very often, so they'd be thrilled with that. Uh, and Chip Kelly, you're right. Like I guess he gets to stay on there and go around again, but it hasn't hit any dizzying heights. They don't seem to be genuinely competing for the Pac-12. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. DTR's gone after this year, so it'll be interesting to see what that new quarterback is like. I think if things stall out very quickly next year, if that quarterback isn't in place, then it could get ugly. Uh, Oregon State 24, Arizona State 10, Cow 41, Murder Stanford 11. Another strange score, 41-11. Don't see that very often. Colorado 20, Washington 17. Oh, mate. Mate, your Huskies. Uh, I don't think anyone picked this one. A 99-yard fumble return, which I would actually dispute whether it was a 99-yard fumble return. I think it was 98 yards. But anyway, puts Colorado over the top in this one. And Washington State gets bowl eligible against Arizona, 44-18. to Yeah, how well the Huskies traveling? So they fired their coach, right? That means guaranteed win. They, yeah. they somehow managed to outgain Colorado 426 yards to 183 and still fucking lose. Like, what are you doing? They, they have not enjoyed my fandom this year, and it has been piss poor, I'll be fair, like after they lost that FCS This was a team game. that you picked to make the Pac-12 championship game. Absolutely. I to was, win I was, the Pac-12? I was, I was all in on them, and... Then they lost to an FCS team and just somehow like found a way to get worse from that point. So yeah, 
Not Devastating. Good. Huskies let me down. All right, into the SEC. Florida fall to Missouri, 23-24. That spells the end for Dan Mullen in overtime. This was a play that looked like it was going to fail as Missouri go for two after scoring the touchdown. But Basilek kind of hits a fadeaway, fallaway jump shot to a t- on a tight end throwback um, that I thought the play was dead. I was like, oh, this is over. But no, he manages to complete the pass. That and seems Missouri. to be the one to go to, that, right? Like, not your rollout one. It's where it, like, looks broken and you kind of loft it up. That yeah. has been money well, that was, the last... I mean, Frank, like, this week at least, Frank Harris <laughs> hit it for UTSA. Yeah. And well, then we, we saw that, Bay, like, that fat boy at Kansas catch it against Texas as well. That was similar sort yeah. of setup. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it's all happening. Uh, yeah, there you go. Everyone's going to have it in the playbook and then it won't work anymore. South Carolina 21, Auburn 17. <laughs> no Bo Nix, no Auburn. He's that good. He's carried that program <laughs> no for a Bo long Nicks. time. TJ Finley gets the start. Uh, and they actually get out the blocks okay. I thought they were sort of going to roll in that one and then they just couldn't move the ball forwards anymore. Oh, man. I don't know. Auburn. Uh, uh, do they... Is this what, like... What I'm trying to say here is after stalling a sentence twice in a row there is do they have any chance against Alabama? Can this be one of those freak show games where they come out and actually compete? Uh, absolutely it can. I've shown this year that they are a, a decent side. They've got some playmakers to be able to... And the history of this game shows that crazy shit happens all the time. So I'm not willing to write this one off. It's just, it's just that wild. But, jeez, it would be surprising. It would be a jaw-dropper. Ole Miss, 31, Vandy, 17. And then on top of that, yeah, Georgia, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Kentucky, LSU, and Tennessee all get wins over fucking The bye shit. week. Let's call yeah, it the, the bye, bye week. week. Uh, um, in the group of... Oh, before sorry, you jump Joe. there, what I do want to say that Dan Mullen has range at Florida. Like I think he's unlucky that he got fired because he proved he can put up 60-odd points against Sanford one week and then battle it out in a grubby 16-all overtime game the next. Like That is range. And he's also providing some genuine intrigue for us as fans because dropping to five and six to now play a Florida State team is also five and six, battling for bowl eligibility. It's what we all want. We want something on the line. He knew that there wasn't going to be anything else if they had won that one. So I think he's looking after us as fans and then they've gone and let him down by sacking him. I'm pretty sure there's some toothless people in Gainesville that are ready to knock his head off. But anyway... Um, all right, into the group of five. A team clinched their American Championship game, and that was Houston. And they did that early, and they beat Memphis 31-13. to You thought I was going to go with Cincinnati then, didn't you? I, uh, you did. Yeah, you had me. You got me. Well done. But they do play Cincinnati in the championship game. Louisiana crushed Liberty 42-14. to Didn't pick that. Louisiana up and about again this year. A little bit of a slow start or a quiet start at least, but they're now back inside the AP poll top 25 and making some noise again. Yeah, I've got a, a sticker to give out in this one. It's a fun one. Uh, so Louisiana lost week one Texas, who doesn't age well, but they've looked good from there. But Liberty, Liberty somehow managed... To punt the ball on fourth and goal. That's impressive. It is hard to do. So uh, first and goal, holding penalty. First and goal, holding penalty. First and second and goal, uh, sack. uh, Nothing going for them. And yeah, they've they've had to punt. They've gone backwards that far from first and goal that... uh, 
You don't see that too often. Yeah, that's that is that's <laughs> good. Um, any other uh, stickers? Uh, I will give one to the Cincinnati defense. So we haven't really given them much love, but this was the showcase one that we kind of had asked them to put forward. This is the game that they needed to demonstrate that they are a legit team. And they had SMU coming in, high-flying offense, averaging about 500 yards a game. Tanner Mordecai cutting teams apart. He passed for 63 yards in this one. Uh, they, they kept them for a total of like 100 yards. They completely blanketed them. This one was dust before SMU put up a couple of scores late. Uh, Cincinnati looked really good here. Very impressive against a decent uh, Mustangs unit. And that, that's what we wanted to see. It's kind of what we needed to see the last few weeks and we haven't. But hopefully this gets some recognition because I think it is a very, very good effort and shows the capability that they've got and the talent that's on this squad. All right, that is all the games from week 12, unless there's anything else you would like to hit on, William. No, I think we've hit it all, my friend. Aussies in action. Yes, so uh, a few ones here. I watch from my own eyes. So we'll start Blake Hayes, seven punts, 47 yards, really good at Illinois there. He has been a long-serving champion of the game there. Fantastic effort. Lucas Dean, uh, number one reason why UTSA continue to be undefeated. Fucking bomb early in that game as well that flipped the field. He's a boy who knows what he's about. And like in tight games like that, that's the difference. So credit him with the win. Uh, fantastic. And like I saw this one firsthand. Austin McNamara, Texas Tech, playing against my Cowboys. Every time he kicked it, I was like, fuck, is this like, do we just have a really shitty punter or is this dude unreal? He, he punted the ball nine times. So he was busy because they couldn't fucking move the ball. Average of 56 yards. He had a 70-yarder <laughs> in there. Like, it wasn't... I, I was glad when I saw the numbers after the game because watching it live, I was like, he is just dropping bombs. And none of them were, like, being returned. None of them could be returned. Yeah. They were, like, touching the sky and dropping back down. So, fantastic work, big Aussie McNamara. Uh, that's probably the most impressive effort I think we've seen across the year. Nine punts, 56 yards. Woo-wee. Yeah. Uh, still a little ways back, you would think, from a Ray Guy perspective. Yes, right. but he, ha- he has kind of moved himself up to the top of the Aussies. Oh, there you go. Well, that, and that's always an exclusive list to be a part of, so certainly nothing to sneeze mm. at there. Growing man. less and less uh, exclusive with how many we're sending over there, which is good yeah, to say. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, just going to tidy up, because it's not tidied up at the moment, our kiss of death or... Sure thing. For me, it's a sure thing. For you, it's a kiss of death. I changed the name of it, and I've been leaning into that. you still doing your own thing. Whatever. We've gone different directions on this. You've now lost six on the bounce. Hard to do. You had, Washing- you had Washington at minus six and a half. They lost. Fuck it, I told you, like 500 yards to 200. <laughs> it doesn't matter, dude. UTEP. Uh, got the win for me against Rice. They're up big and then they weren't. I was like, oh, this is a bit tighter than I would have hoped for. Um, but UTEP get over the line now. So I am eight of the last nine. Um, That's good. Which is, which is pretty good. Take that good. to the bank. Pretty, pretty good. So uh, I am, if I wasn't untouchable now, I've got nine of 12 on the season. 75%. You're sitting at two of 12. Six. I don't know what that is as a percentage. Not very much, though. <laughs> not very much. It is not. Yeah. So you suck. 
is what we have learnt from this whole adventure. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, what we've learnt is that you also, also lose money when you put it on stuff. So uh, take us through it, Will. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another one of five week for me, which is fucking just really depressing. Uh, and I had all the early games this week too, or most of the early games. And so like immediately i was like this is just not good it's all gone sideways for me and it's it's tough to get excited about anything after that all happens but whatever uh let's quickly run through what it looks like and where it all went wrong boston college florida state uh had bc in that one down most of the day uh couldn't really ever get it going so yeah i'll take that whack texas at west virginia looking back looks like a bad why did you bet that bad, like i don't yeah, know what's going bet. through your head like I asked you earlier in the year, I'm like, what goes through your head? And you're like, oh, I just create narratives. Stop fucking creating narratives and start Just stop creating the wrong, stop creating the wrong narrative, right? (laughs) Just pick the right one. Um, (laughs) No, yeah, look, I I was buying into the Texas backs against the wall. They're not, they're not going to let this disrespect kind of continue. And yet I was wrong. They will. And they they did. So Mm. I missed that. Illinois at Iowa. Uh, got that. So I had an 11 and a half. I squeaked inside with the 10 points there. So, phew. Um, <laughs> then I had Maryland plus 14 and a half against Michigan in the look ahead. Uh, I, th- I honestly think Michigan did look ahead. It's just that Maryland were that fucking bad that it didn't matter. <laughs> like they looked ahead and they still beat them by 40 uh, points. So, as fucking soon as hell. you said Maryland plus 14 and a half, I was like, I'm fucking all yeah, over. I so am happy with that. That's, that's clever. And then SMU Cincinnati. So, Cincinnati had that covered in the first five minutes of the game and then just didn't look back. So, sweet. sweet, sweet yeah, sweet. sometimes just taking the home favorite in a big matchup is the way to go. But I got six of eight on the week. So, Louisville at Duke. Whoa. Could have loaded up on that one because that was easy done. Purdue at Northwestern, uh, Michigan at Maryland, Minnesota at Indiana, UTEP um, against Rice at home, and Oregon State at home plus three. Could have taken the win there, but uh, against Arizona State in that one. The only ones I missed, Pitt minus 11 versus Virginia. Uh, They won by 10, but uh, that's not 11. And Wake Forest, I had plus the points. Um, So yeah, six of eight. 41 and 67 on the year. Those are... Those are good numbers, my friend. You are really turning on. You're. Uh, I. I am not enjoying how well you are doing, coupled with how <laughs> piss poorly I am doing. Uh, 25, 25 of sixty for me. So twenty five of sixty. Yes. What am I at? Forty one of sixty seven. Yes, that is correct. Uh, what are we looking at here? Is a percentage? I need it. Oh, sixty one percent. Nice. Mm-hmm. Again, does that make money? Probably not. I dare say that would that would make money. Would it? Wouldn't yes. be much. Be enough if you're betting enough. It, if you <laughs> if you're rolling, again, I ask you my betting questions. Uh, again, against the spread, so you're always going to be down or less than half of the market or whatever. But uh, six of eight, where does that land you? I if dare you, say to be. Positive. I don't often bet that big, so I can't really tell you. It's too hard mathematics for me to do. To do but. Maths. Okay. Um, all right, we're up to our long shot. Do you want Pat Benatar or not? Uh, well, I had Kansas, and they were so darn close. So that was no to Pat Benatar? Okay. 
Um, <laughs> I just wanted to know if you I'd, wanted the sound of Pat Benatar's. I don't. Love I don't voice. mind, mate. If it's going to be difficult for you, I'm. I'm oh, just disappointed nice. that Candice. There she is. Uh, yeah, still, still, Candace still lost. So, uh, I had Charlotte to beat Marshall. Didn't happen. They came second. Yeah. Um, that brings us to the end of our week twelve recap. Unless you've got anything else more to add, Will. Uh, looking ahead to next week, it is rivalry weekend time. Uh, having said that. I'm not blown away by all the games. A whole bunch of games throughout the weekend. We've got games on Friday morning local time here in Australia. We've got games on Saturday morning and then a whole bunch on Sunday as well. But um, certainly there's a few traditional games that are not that great. So I am not uber excited with the matchups next week. Uh, look, I am. It's Bedlam Week. Uh, that's fantastic. I'm keen for that. I know those uh, tied into the Iron Bowl will be keen to see that. It's always a big one. Uh, Egg Bowl, probably less yeah. on the line, but still always a bit of fun stuff going on there. So, uh, And obviously where game day is uh, in the big house, Ohio State, Michigan. Previously yeah, been that's... a flop, but that, that has big big uh, ramifications so yeah it'll be interesting to see how much Michigan can lose by in that one I think because uh, you know Harbour hasn't beaten Ohio State yet what do you um, like the line at there if you're setting a line what do you got for me uh, it's in Ann Arbor I'd be going Ohio State on the road 12 and a half Twelve and a half. Okay. Seems big, actually, but I, I, I'm okay with that. Somewhere there. Um, I think it's closer to seven and a half, but um, yeah. yeah. But I'm a big Ohio State believer. I mean, yeah, twelve and a half's big, but maybe ten and a half. 12, that's two touchdowns. I think Ohio State's two touchdowns better than Michigan. I don't think Michigan's that good. And we saw, like, again, you, you see what happened in the... Uh, I mean, we'll get into this on Wednesday's show, but you see what happened to Michigan State. Michigan had to fight back um, to lose that one, and then Ohio State trashed them. So, yeah. you got seven and a half. Seven and a half is the line. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that close. I, I don't normally bet the big rivalries like this, especially on the road. I think it's dangerous, but I'd be looking at gobbling up seven and a half. From Ohio State. Um, yeah, the other big game is Bedlam as well, which will be good. Um, and then the Civil War. I think there's early slot to me. Early slot and then Bedlam in the afternoon. All right, that brings us to the end of our Week 12 recap. On behalf of Will, thank you very much for joining us. My name's Aaron. You know his name because I've already said it and I've fucked up the outro, but we will see you next time. <laughs>